Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, everybody, to episode 176 of the podcast that is Sweeping America, the Era Torres Sports Podcast. All right, so I am doing this podcast in the future. Kind of incredible. Space-time continuum does not exist on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I am actually recording this before my trip to uh, Hawaii for my honeymoon. So for people who don't know, the reason that we are in a one-show-per-week kind of uh, cycle here is because I actually left for my honeymoon last Tuesday. So last week, I gave you an episode with Nick Coffey. We talked all sorts of things. We talked the Little League World Series for half a second. We talked about uh, Michael Avenetti. We talked about uh, a little bit of a, a college football preview-ish type show. We talked a little bit about the Louisville-Notre Dame game. We talked a little bit about week one. Why are there so few good matchups? We talked about Bama. Is Have we just reached the point where Bama, that like nobody wants to play them? So last week it was one episode, and I've actually recorded this episode before I leave. So if anything has happened in the past week of sports, I'm sorry, but I just, I'm not going to talk about it. What I'm going to do today instead is preview week one of the college football season. By technicality, week zero has already happened by the time you guys are listening to this. So for all I know, Florida might have beat Miami by 50 points. My hunch is it was low scoring. I picked Florida to win a low scoring game. I'll say 21-16 Florida. Feel free to make fun of me because the final score was probably like 42-3 to Miami or something. But... Uh, it, week zero is done. Let's preview week one. But again, I'm recording this before I leave. And so anything that's happened in the last week that's newsworthy, I do apologize. As I joked on a previous episode, if Michael Avenetti has the goods on Coach K and he's been pulled away from the facility in handcuffs, I'm sorry, but I can't talk about it until uh, after I get back. I didn't bring my podcast recording equipment with me. Although, let's be honest, if something that big happened, I probably would have gone uh, live on Periscope from the pool to discuss. So this is what we're going to do on this episode. So again, one episode last week, one episode this week, and I promise next week we get back into the meat of what I do on this show, which is two episodes a week, basically every week from now until certainly the end of college basketball season in March and April and probably even beyond that because I love doing this show. I'm not going to take any time off, and we are going to continue on the two to three to four episodes per week uh, routine. Okay, maybe not four episodes, probably not three. We will definitely have two, though. So in this show, here is what you're going to get. Week one college football preview. Again, week zero is in the past. It already happened. Not in my world. In your world, it happened. My world didn't happen. Didn't happen yet. 
In your world, it's already happened, though. So we're going to go to week one. I'm going to give you my gambling picks. So for people who are newer to this show, what I do sometimes is, is well, every week this, this college football season, I am going to be doing college football gambling picks. I did them last year, hit about 60%. I posted them on my Facebook page. This year, I have a brand new kind of personal website where I'll be uh, where I'll be posting them. I'll also be doing a Periscope every Saturday on behalf of my bookie to uh, to get people talking college football. This week, I'm just going to focus on the picks. I think next next weeks in the future, uh, maybe not so kind of gambling heavy, and instead I'll focus on just the big matchups. But this week, week one, there aren't a ton of big matchups. I don't have Nick Coffee. I'm recording into the future. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you kind of the week one uh, picks as I have them. And then, of course, uh, after that, there is something else that's really big, really cool. How about this for a guest? I did this in the future. Hall of Famer Frank Beamer, former head coach, Virginia Tech, he actually will join me on the back end of this show. So really cool interview. It was set up by the College Football Hall of Fame. For those of you who live in the Atlanta area, by the way, College Football Hall of Fame for the rest of August. And I know we're down to a couple days here. But for the rest of August, the College Football Hall of Fame gives you free admission if you just download the Chick-fil-A app, swipe the Chick-fil-A app at the front door, you get free admission. So really cool initiative by the College Football Hall of Fame. Frank Beamer joins me. Great conversation. We talk about his time at Virginia Tech. We talk about coaching Michael Vick. We talk about Beamer Ball. We talk about all the things that you would want to talk about with Frank Beamer. He had about 15 minutes. We talked uh, all sorts of good stuff. And of course, we talked about the College Football Hall of Fame. Also, by the way, his thoughts on Clemson. He, of course, coached against Dabo Sweeney. His thoughts on Clemson. Uh, his thoughts on the college football playoff. Does he like it? Does he not? So really fun interview. So again, this episode. And again, I want to reiterate for all of you, if you, if you, I think you all follow, but I only did one episode last week. I'm only going to do one episode this week, but I promise next week back to two episodes. We'll preview week one of the college football season, and then Frank Beamer joins me later. All right, so before we get into this, as I say every episode, whether I'm doing two episodes a week or one, please make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on basically every platform that you listen to podcasts. So you can do it on iTunes can do it on Podcast Addict. If you have an Android, hit up Podcast Addict. That's where I listen to this show. You can download on TuneIn Radio. You can download on Spotify. You can download on Pod Paradise. You can download on Podbean. Basically, wherever you want to listen to podcasts, this show is available. That's what I do. That's the kind of guy I am. I care about you. I want to take care of you. So I put this podcast on every single platform that I can. Also, Make sure to rate and review the show. I appreciate all of you who have chimed in. Again, a lot of people rating and reviewing the show. Five stars, the most recent one from the Salad Monger. Don't know, uh, I, I guess that means he, just eat, he or she eats a lot of salad. I'm not sure. Gave me a quick five stars. Said, this is the best sports podcast out there. Great job, Aaron. Love the passion and the breadth of knowledge you have about college sports. Keep up the great work. And so the Salamonger just hit on an important point. This is the slow time in the college basketball offseason. I'm going to talk a little college football. And obviously, as basketball stories break, I will continue to talk basketball. So this isn't full shift into college football. This isn't me uh, forgetting my roots in college basketball. But kind of we're going to go with the seasons here. And then once both seasons start, we'll kind of mix and match. Probably a little bit more of a focus on basketball. But obviously, there will still be big college football games. And I will still be talking about them. All right, so week one, college football. 
Again, week zero has already happened. My prediction, I think I said Florida 21, Miami 16. I predict a low-scoring game. Not even going to go out on a limb on the Hawaii-Arizona game. I will be in Hawaii when that game's going on. I was in Hawaii when that game happened last weekend, but not even going to give a prediction here. And so these are gambling picks. And again, gambling picks are what I think is going to happen, uh, what the best bets are going into the weekend. Now, sometimes if there's a big game, uh, sometimes we won't do gambling picks. Sometimes we'll just talk about a big game, right? So like next week, week two of the college football season, like LSU Texas happens, right? And I don't know if I have necessarily a gambling pick for that. So we'll probably just talk in generalities about that game. Hopefully Nick Coffey can join me. Uh, hopefully I'll have some guests rolling in like I always do because that's how I do. I just bring on good guests. But what we're going to do on this episode specifically is gambling picks. Again, if you want to read my picks... They will be posted Wednesday on the website, AaronTorresOnline.com. That's my new personal homepage where I'll be posting gambling picks. And of course, by the way, that's uh, my, my homepage is in addition to all the other writing I do because I'm writing stuff there doesn't mean that I'm not going to be doing other stuff in other places. But I figure rather than waiting until Thursday, I'll just give you the picks now. So here's how I see week one going down. The first game that I really like that I find really interesting is the first game basically of the season of week one, and that is UCLA at Cincinnati. So for people who are, you know, and again, a lot of people dusting off the cobwebs, trying to remember what happened in college football last season. Remember, Chip Kelly uh, went from the NFL to the ESPN booth after he was fired, and then he was hired by UCLA last year. Big song and dance, big excitement, all that stuff, and UCLA was pretty terrible. Now, I will say in UCLA's defense, uh, they got better as the season went on, as I said, they went 3-9, and nine, nothing to write home about, but the last couple games, they were much improved. If you look at the back end of their schedule, they beat USC in the second-to-last game of the season. They beat, uh, st- they lost to Stanford, but they won- it was a 49-42 final score, so they-, they were improved over the back half of the season, but I still think this game, my pick for this game, UCLA at Cincinnati, Nippert Stadium to open the season, I know it's not sexy. I know it's not fun. I know betting the under is like kissing your sister or something like that. I think that's the old saying, right? But I think the under is the play here because while UCLA, I think they'll be better under Chip Kelly. They return a ton of starters. The bottom line is probably Cincinnati is a little bit of a better team, a little bit further along this year. Of course, Luke Fickle is the head coach of the University of Cincinnati. Luke Fickle was with Urban Meyer at Ohio State for a number of years. He, of course, coached Ohio State as the head coach for a year, for one year when Jim Tressel was out. But uh, Cincinnati went 11-2 and last year. I don't know if they'll be as good, but the one thing about Cincinnati you always have to remember, they play great defense under Luke Fickle. They're kind of the old school uh, Big Ten. I don't want to say three yards in a cloud of dust because their offense is a little bit more advanced than that, but they are a, a team built on defense, built on controlling the clock, built on time of possession. Last year, they ranked number eight nationally in time of possession. They were also in the top 15 in both scoring defense and total defense, which means to me they play great defense. They want to keep the game low scoring. They want to run between the tackles, and I think they'll be able to against UCLA, but I think when you run between the tackles, it takes time off the clock. And so I think when you add in the fact that UCLA is still a work in progress, they're going on the road, I don't think Chip Kelly is going to be super aggressive. This game feels to me like it will be relatively low scoring. 
Now, if you don't feel great, if you want to fade AT, that's perfectly fine because this number actually did start at about 54 and a half. The, the, the gamblers bet it up to 60 and a half, but I think that number is a little bit too high. So first pick of the season, I like UCLA Cincy to go under on this coming Thursday night. All right, second game, also Thursday night, the defending national champion Clemson Tigers. Now, I'm not convinced that Clemson is this be-all, end-all juggernaut coming into the year. Look, they're still going to make the playoff because the ACC is terrible. So it's not about it's not about them relative to the ACC or will they not make the playoff. I'm not saying that, but when you add in when you think about the fact that they lost three starters just off their defensive line who were first round NFL draft picks, I don't think that defense is going to be as dominant and historically great as it was a year ago. That's in the big picture of the college football season though. In the small picture of week 1, I got to tell you, I love Clemson covering this spread 35 and a half points. That sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot. They're playing Georgia Tech to open. It's on the new ACC network. I don't know if you get it or not. There's big uh, to do about cable companies and all that stuff. But here's what you need to know about Georgia Tech. People, when you think Georgia Tech, what do you think, right? You think triple option. Here's the problem. Their head coach, Paul Johnson, who ran the triple option, is no longer there. And so when it comes to Georgia Tech, what you have to remember is that they no longer run the triple option. Jeff Collins, new head coach, former defensive coordinator at Florida. Then he went to Temple. He's another guy that's kind of old school. He's not a um, he's not a new age guy in terms of offense. He wants to play kind of ball control a little bit uh, slower. And my problem with them specifically is is that he wants to be a line of scrimmage offense, and he doesn't have the players to do it. Right? He has a bunch of guys that were recruited to the triple option. And so my concern for Georgia Tech is. I don't know what their offense is going to look like because they got a bunch of guys. They they don't really have any receiving talent because you don't throw the ball in the triple option. Their quarterback graduated, but even the quarterback that was there, uh, you know, I think he threw for like, I think he completed like 30 or 40 passes all of last year because, again, Georgia Tech didn't run, uh, didn't, didn't pass the ball. They ran the ball. And so when I look at Georgia Tech, I just see a program that's in a major transition. As I wrote in my article that's going to drop on Wednesday, this isn't even a rebuild. This is completely, you know, sometimes you renovate a house when you come in. Like there are people that have to, there are coaches that are renovating their house right now. So, right, like I'm trying to think of who's a new head coach, right? So Dana Holgerson is the new head coach at Houston. Neil Brown is the new head coach at West Virginia. Neil Brown's going to renovate the West Virginia program. He's not tearing it down and building it back up. Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech is tearing it down and building it back up. I think you add in the fact that Clemson is at home, that they had a unbelievable offense last year, and I just think the emotion of it's the first game after the national championship, Trevor Lawrence, all the hype, I think because of that, Clemson absolutely dominates this game. I think they dominated on both sides. I don't think Georgia Tech's going to be able to do very much offensively. They just don't have the personnel. So I like Clemson to cover the 35 and a half. Let's move to Saturday, 3.30, Duke versus Bama. First of all, as Nick Coffey and I discussed, oh, actually, I want to go back to Friday for a second. Before we get to Saturday, I want to go to Friday. So Friday, there is one game that I like. It's actually Tulsa at Michigan State. I like Michigan State minus 22 and a half, and here is why. Michigan State, last year, if you looked at their numbers, they were incredible defensively. They were terrible offensively. Number 10 nationally 
on defense, 117th nationally in total offense. Now, that sounds like a complete disaster, right? But what you need to know is that their quarterback, Brian Lewerke, got hurt in the Penn State game, which was the sixth game of the season. And their offense wasn't great before he got hurt, but it wasn't terrible either. And so because of that, I actually like Michigan State to be a much improved team than they were a year ago. Here are the numbers with and without their healthy quarterback last year. In the first five games when their quarterback was healthy, now admittedly, it was against some easier competition, but Michigan State averaged 27 points a game. Last seven games, quarterback's hurt. He's playing through the injury. They eventually have to bench him, but they try to play him. They averaged 12 points per game in the final seven. So I think with that kid healthy, I think Michigan State gets back to close to uh, the team that they are. I think they're they're much closer to like a 10 or 11 win team than they are uh, the, the team that they were a year ago. And so I think Michigan State at home, they want to send a message opening night. They cover the 22 and a half against Tulsa. That's my third pick. Fourth pick, move to Saturday afternoon. The game, not the game, but one of the games. It's it's a Saturday opening weekend tradition. Alabama on a neutral field against somebody they're going to beat the crap out of. And here's what you got to remember. Doesn't matter what the year is. Doesn't matter who the opponent is. There are a few certainties in life like Nick Saban against a team on opening day when he has had eight months to prepare for the other team. For those of you who don't remember, last year... Maybe you remember because Nick Coffey talked about it on the last episode. Alabama played Louisville. 51 to 14 was the final score. It wasn't even that close. Year before, Alabama played Florida State, which was number three in the country going into that game. They went 24 to 7, cover the spread easily. Year before, how about this? They beat USC at Jerry World 51 to 6. 51 to 6, okay? And so the point is, Alabama always dominates these games. The last thing you ever want to do is face a Nick Saban coach team when he has had more than one week to... You never want to face Alabama if you don't have to. But if you have to, you don't want to face them coming off a bye or with extra time to prepare. That's what Nick Saban has here. The line is 33 and a half. I think it could be 33 and a half be covered by halftime. I mean, look, we remember how Tua was last year. Every, it seemed like that every possession they could score if they wanted to when Alabama was fully healthy. Uh, most of those wide receivers are back. The running game is still strong. The O-line is still strong. And here's the other thing about Bama you got to remember. Bama has some motivation coming into this year because of the fact that they got smoked in the national championship game. And I'm talking to people down in Alabama right now, and the one thing they're telling me is this, is that it's been a long time since Alabama has come into a season this motivated as they are right now. This is a team that you come to Bama, you expect to win championships. You expect to be the best. So to get thoroughly, not just beat in a national championship game, but absolutely dominated, right? I mean, because that's the thing about that championship game. It's one thing if you lose. Alabama's lost in the championship before. Keep in mind, a few years ago, they lost to Clemson. But it was Deshaun Watson, final play of the game. The two teams were basically even. And Clemson is one play better. This year, well, not this year, but last year, Bama just got dominated. It was 14-13 after the first quarter. They get outscored 30-3 to in the final three quarters. And so the worst thing you want is Bama coming off, a, uh, off, a, uh, off an eight-month time frame where they haven't played a game. Even worse than that, if it's possible is getting Bama off an eight-month 
uh, uh, you know, they haven't played in eight months when they've been motivated the whole time. So this is my favorite bet of the weekend. I don't see any scenario, knock on wood, barring something, uh, you know, disastrous happening, happening in the injury department and nobody's wishing that on anybody. I don't see any way that Duke covers, covers the 33 and a half. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about it today. I was trying to figure out what was the number where I would probably have to stay away. It's much higher than 33 and a half. I'll tell you that much. So I like Bama to cover. I like Bama to dominate this game, and they will win. Let's continue on Saturday, probably the marquee game, and I've spent a lot of time talking about this the last two or three weeks, Auburn and Oregon. Look, two or three weeks ago I did this. I'm not going to do the whole thing again, but for Auburn and Oregon, this is such an important game for, for two completely different reasons. Gus Malzahn basically coaching for his life, coaching for his livelihood, Oregon kind of representing what I think, at least for right now, and I'm going to explain why I don't necessarily believe that the narrative is true, Oregon playing for the entire respect of the Pac-12, right? And if Oregon loses this game and they get smoked, and say, God forbid, they come back and end up winning the Pac-12, can you imagine a scenario where Oregon is 12-1 and at the end of the year, Pac-12 champ, and their only loss was to Auburn, which, let's be honest, is about the fifth or sixth best team in the SEC on paper, that's going to be a bad look for Oregon. So the bottom line with this game, I'm not going to get into who's going to win and who's going to lose because I don't think that's the right bet. If I had to pick a winner, it'd probably be Auburn in a low-scoring game. But I think the bet here is the under. The bet here is the under for the reasons that I've mentioned. The number when I am leaving California for my honeymoon is 57. I will gladly take that under, and here is why. One, Auburn probably has the best defense that Oregon is going to see all year, except for maybe Utah, which I'll get into Utah in a minute. Um, Auburn has the best defense Oregon's going to see all year. Oregon, of course, is coming into pseudo-SEC country. Now, not necessarily technically because they're in Jerry's world in Dallas. I guess Texas is SEC country because of the fact that Texas A&M is there. But the bottom line is Oregon's going a long way. Texas Texas uh, Texas is still by technicality SEC country, and so as far as I'm concerned, this is going to be a tough matchup for Oregon. I think they're going to play conservative. They're not going to want to go crazy early, even though they have the kid Justin Herbert, who is projected by some as the next great NFL quarterback. I think they keep it pretty conservative in this game, and I think from the Auburn perspective, I think it's the same thing. Gus Malzahn as of when I am departing here, he has not named a starting quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays both of his guys, but his two guys, one of them's a true freshman, one of them's a redshirt freshman who only played in one game last year in the bowl game, and so I think Gus Malzahn becomes super conservative in this game. He's not going to go crazy calling plays. He knows how great his defense is. They might have the best defensive line in the country at Auburn, and so from my perspective, I'm just sitting there and saying, Auburn has a great defense, probably the best defense Oregon's going to see all year. Oregon, on the other hand, uh, and, and also, also I should mention with Auburn, they have uh, a, a quarterback who has basically never played at this level. And so I think when you really kind of break it down in its simplest forms, I think it's going to be a ball control kind of game. I think it's going to be low scoring. And for me, the under is the play here. All right, last one from Saturday, and then I got one for you from the later in the weekend. This one I actually really like, and this is one that's a little bit off people's radars. USC minus 13 and a half against Fresno State. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, Here, here's the deal. You're, you, I know what you're thinking. Dude, USC was terrible last year. Their coach is about to get fired. Their coach might get fired. 
that that is independent of the fact that they're going to cover this spread. And let me tell you why. So you guys know I do Fox Sports Radio. I host every Saturday night, basically in the position of we are the national college football postgame show for Fox Sports Radio. So we come on when all the big games are ending at whatever it is, 11 Eastern. We're on till 2 a.m. And a lot of times those late Pac-12, you know, the Pac-12 after dark games, they're going on while I'm doing radio. So I watch all those games. We got great uh, uh, TV monitors in the, in the studio, so I get to watch all those games. And because I watched a lot of USC last year, here is what I can tell you. Yes, it wasn't a good deal. They finished 5-7. and seven. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that if you're USC, you can't finish 5-7. and seven. You just can't. There's never an excuse for USC to be 5-7, and seven, just like there's never an excuse for Florida to be 5-7 and seven, or Georgia to be 5-7 and seven, or Ohio State. I mean, there are just certain programs that you just can't be that bad. But where I will defend USC is this. Their last three games, they were leading at halftime in all three and couldn't close it out. And one of those games, by the way, was against Notre Dame, who ended up making the college football playoff. And so when I look at USC, I don't see a team that was as bad as that 5-7 and, and seven record indicates. What I actually see is a team that was really young, true freshman at quarterback. Basically, all the skill position guys were true freshmen. I saw a team that was really young that didn't have the confidence to close out games. And when things got tight, they played tight. And in the last three games of the season, they had the lead at halftime and still gave it away. And so I don't think they're as bad as that five and second seven record would indicate. Now, I will say their schedule gets a lot tougher. This is their, by the way, USC very well could, I think Clay Helton could legitimately be fired by the middle of the season. Here's their schedule. After Fresno State, Stanford at home, then at BYU, then Utah at home, which started the year ranked in the top 15. They were number 14 in the AP preseason poll. Washington at home, number 13 in the AP preseason poll. Then they get a bye. Then they go to Notre Dame, which is number nine. And so USC is going to, I think they could legitimately go three and three during that stretch. I think they might even go two and three. Uh, and Clay Helton could be gone before that Notre Dame game on October 12th. But This is not a game where they lose. I think after six months or eight months of hearing nothing but how bad they are, how their coach is going to get fired, I think USC comes out motivated. The other thing, Fresno, really, really good last year, but they basically lost everyone off of last year's team. And so because of that, I like USC to cover. 13.5 is the number that I got it at. All these lines, by the way, are provided by my bookie. Again, uh, my weekly college football picks are presented by my bookie. Use the promo code Torres at checkout. If you do use my bookie, you get a hundred percent sign-up bonus. So, last pick for this week one weekend: Houston at Oklahoma. My bet here is the over. And by the way, you're gonna laugh when I tell you this: the over is eighty points, eighty eight zero. And I know that sounds crazy. But I'll tell you this. First of all, it's been bet up from 79.5 when I first saw this line. So the, 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 guy, the Sharps in Vegas actually have bet this number up. But here's why I like it. First of all, Oklahoma, this offense is incredible. Lincoln Riley, he's unbelievable. Last year, check out. This may be my, the craziest stat I've ever seen. Oklahoma scored 45 or more points in 10 games last year. 10 out of 13 games They scored 45 or more points. And oh, by the way, did I mention 
that Houston had the 118th ranked total defense last year. So you mean to tell me, like, Oklahoma, I think, alone could get 60 in this game. Now, I think Houston's going to be improved, and I'll tell you why, and I'll tell you why I like the over, is because I think Houston's going to be improved. I think, by the way, Oklahoma's defense will be improved, but Houston, if you've forgotten, the new head coach at Houston is Dana Holgerson, who obviously spent the last decade at West Virginia. And I think that's really important in this game because Dana Holgerson is not afraid of Oklahoma. Dana Holgerson has coached against Oklahoma. Dana Holgerson has put up a lot of points against Oklahoma. If you've forgotten, last year, Thanksgiving weekend, West Virginia hosted Oklahoma, final score 59-56. That was basically the game that won Kyler Murray the Heisman Trophy. But West Virginia still scored 56 points. So I, I listen... Houston isn't going to get 56. I think they can get 30, though. And if they get 30 and Oklahoma gets 50, I think you're golden. This is one I know the number sounds crazy, but I'm just telling you, man. I'm just telling you. Take the over. So those are my eight picks for the weekend. I believe it's eight. I have the UCLA uh, Cincinnati under. I have have Clemson minus 35 and a half. If you want to buy the half point, buy the half point. I have Duke versus Alabama, Alabama covering 33 and a half. I have, who else do I have? I have Oregon, or, Oregon, Auburn under. I have Fresno State, USC, 13 and a half, USC covering the 13 and a half. I have Michigan State minus 22 and a half on Friday. I keep forgetting that one. And I have Houston, Oklahoma over 80. A couple other games that are interesting. Uh, Nick Coffey and I talked a lot about Louisville, Notre Dame. To me, that feels like a stay away. Notre Dame is going to win that game. But I think Nick Coffey brought up the important point on Louisville last week, and that's very simply that uh, it can't really get any worse than it was for for Louisville last year. And so it's one of those where I just think because they're actually going to play hard for their coach, because let's be honest, all those guys hated Bobby Petrino. The the stories all came out that they had never even been to the – to the coach's office in the football facility. Uh, Look, that whole team hated Bobby Petrino. They quit on him. Um, And because of it, I really do kind of think that um, just having a coach that the guys like is going to get them to play hard. So that is one that I uh, will stay away from. I think Louisville could cover enough. I think the final score could be something in the neighborhood of, you know, 42-21, which is right around the the point spread. And so that's one that I'm going to stay away from. Uh, and then other than that, it's kind of a quiet opening weekend. Like I said, week two, things get significantly better. We've got LSU at Texas, which I think could be one of the great, great games of the season. A&M is at Clemson. So we got a couple really good games to go into week two. All right, I want to finish with this. And by the way, as I mentioned, Frank Beamer, former head coach, Virginia Tech, College Football Hall of Famer, he is going to join me in a minute. Before that, I do want to talk about uh, my college football playoff picks because it's it's technically week zero already happened, but I'm going to give you my college football playoff picks. And by the way, if this is just way too much college football for you, I promise once we have games to talk about, once we have storylines, it's going to be a lot more fun than me just talking about previewing games for 25 minutes like I have. I promise you, uh, get through this episode. We'll have plenty to react to on Monday or Tuesday's show, depending on when I do it. Um, and so let's get into it, okay? So, and so uh, I was saying, be patient because we will get into good stuff as the season goes on. And before you know it, by the way, basketball season's going to start. I mean, the teams basically start practicing a month from now. So it is going to get here before you know it. Um, all right, real quick, college football playoff picks. 
Uh, first two are no-brainers. So Alabama and Clemson. I just don't see any scenario where Clemson does not make this this playoff. Alabama is now 5-for-5. Five five. I don't even think Alabama will be tested except for maybe like one game the entire season. Clemson, I guess in theory they could be tested at Syracuse where they lost earlier this year. Texas A&M, we have some A&M fans who listen to this show. Uh, you know, look, I think uh, Jimbo's done incredible things there in, in his short time. This is not the year that you're going to go to Death Valley and beat Clemson. So, um, so I worry about Clemson. Uh, I, I don't worry about Clemson because I just think that they are going to dominate the regular season. I think Alabama is going to dominate the regular season too. Look, I think LSU in theory could be tough. They do have to go to Texas A&M, but Alabama doesn't have to play Georgia during the regular season. They don't have to play Florida during the regular season. And because of it, I think they cruise to the SEC championship game. And I think they beat who, whoever they get there. And I think they're going to play Florida. Uh, a couple teams that I'm not sold on in terms of the college football playoff scenario I'm not sold on Georgia. I see a lot of Georgia in these college football playoff projections. They lost a lot of guys, man. And, and what I'll tell you is, first of all, they lost basically all of their skill position guys. So Jake Fromm has been there now two years. And Jake Fromm has had a lot of weapons at his disposal. They lost their top five wide receivers from last year. They lost their top running back. And so I look at Georgia and I just say, like, I don't know, man. They got to go. They got to play A and M late in the year. They got to play Florida. They got to play Notre Dame. Now most of their big games are at home, but I just think that they've lost a lot. And I think we're we're way too quick to just say, well, you know, they they're like Alabama. They just reload and they keep winning. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Maybe maybe Kirby Smart will prove me wrong. But until then, I don't buy them. I think they're probably a really good nine and three, ten and two type team. I actually have Florida winning the SEC East, which may look really stupid by the time you guys listen to this, in theory, if they were to lose to Miami. But I like Florida across the board. Uh, so those are my two playoff picks. Um, the two teams that I have is Alabama and Clemson. Don't like Georgia. I also am not sold on Ohio State. Look, Ryan Day, for as good as he looked early in his campaign, if you remember last year he coached three games when Urban Meyer was suspended. I'm just not sold that it's going to be smooth sailing for Ryan Day in his first year. Let's never forget, Urban Meyer won an average, an average of 12 games per year when he was at Ohio State, which is absolutely insane. And you could argue maybe he had the best team in college football a couple of years that, didn't, that they didn't make the playoff. And so I just think for Ryan Day to maintain that level, it's just a lot to ask. They have a lot of talent. They're going to win a lot of games. I don't think they're going to go 12-0 and or 11-1 and and win, win the Big Ten East. I actually have, I think I have Michigan. I don't even know who I like in the Big Ten. Uh, I think it's Michigan. If With Harbaugh, if it's not this year, I don't know when it's going to happen. I actually think Michigan State is going to be really good, but they have to go to Ohio State and to Michigan State, or to Michigan. I think that's too tough, so I do think this is the year that Michigan wins a division. I don't think Michigan makes college football playoff, though. Michigan actually has a deceptively tough schedule. Ohio State, uh, Ohio State and Michigan State both at home, but they do have to go to Penn State. They have Notre Dame in a, in a, a, a game this year, so I'm not sold on Michigan. Here are the other two teams that I like. First one is Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma, look, this Lincoln-Riley offense isn't slowing down, okay? It gets better every year. Remember, people forget this. They won 
the year that Baker Mayfield won the Heisman Trophy, they had won back-to-back Big 12 titles, and that was the year that they lost Joe Mixon, who of course was a, a, a good college running back who's become a really good NFL running back. They lost Samaje Ryan, so two 1,000-yard rushers. They lost D.D. Westbrook, who won the Bolitnikov as the top wide receiver that year. So, so the year that Baker Mayfield won the Heisman, when everyone thought the offense was going to take a step back, that was the year that they lost two 1,000-yard rushers in college football's best wide receiver, and they got better. Last year, they lose Baker Mayfield. Everyone says they're going to take a step back. They get better with Kyler Murray. I don't know if offensively they'll be better with Jalen Hurts, but I don't think that they take a step back. I think their defense gets better. They brought in a defensive coordinator. His guy's name is Alex Grinch. Yes, like the Grinch who stole Christmas for people who are wondering. He was at Ohio State last year, but the year before was really where he made his name at Washington State. Um, This is kind of one of the bright young defensive coordinators in the country. So because of it, I like Oklahoma to be improved enough to win the Big 12. I don't think Texas is a team they beat this year. Texas, guys, you know, we all want to do the whole, uh, uh, Texas is back. No, they're not. They lost a ton of guys off last year's team. They lost most of their defense. They lost their leading wide receiver, LJ Humphrey, who's actually playing with the New Orleans Saints. I saw him playing on in preseason the other day. So I, I, I don't think Texas is the team that Oklahoma's got to worry about. I don't think there's a clear number two in the Big 12. For that reason, I like Oklahoma to make the college football playoff. And the fourth team, this one's a bit of an upset. You guys ready? I already told you. Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma in. Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State out. And so you're probably sitting there saying, well, well who's left? Who's left? Well, keep in mind, that every year in the college football playoff, we've basically had a team essentially come out of nowhere to make the college football playoff. Keep in mind that last year, Notre Dame, who made the college football playoff, was not, this sounds insane, but it's true, they were not in the preseason top 10. They came in at number 12, Nobody really knew what to make of them. They end up going 12-0. And so the reason I bring that up is because the team that I like is outside the preseason top 10 this year. And you're going to laugh. You're going to think I'm crazy. It is the University of... Drumroll, please. University of Utah. Yes, the Utes. Two Utes. Well, 22 Utes in this case. Two Utes, here's the thing with Utah. You think I'm crazy. I already know it. It's okay. Preseason number 14 in the country, but here's why I like them. First of all, they had one of the great defenses in college football last year, number 14 nationally. They basically returned their entire front seven, and keep in mind, not only were they number 14 nationally in total defense, but when we're talking about run defense, when we're talking about stopping the run, we're talking about dominating the line of scrimmage, Utah, which again, returns basically their entire front seven. They gave up just over 100 yards rushing per game. They were number five in the country in rushing defense. So I think Utah gets in because the defense is good. And here's what you need to know about the offense. Utah was at the midway point in the season, six and two, playing really well. And against Arizona State in their ninth game of the season, their starting running back and their starting quarterback Both went down with injury in the same game. 
And so they struggled down the stretch. They didn't play well. They ended up getting to the Pac-12 championship game where they lost to Washington in an ugly, awful, low-scoring game. But that starting quarterback is back. His name is Tyler Huntley. Their starting running back, Zach Moss, had over 1,000 yards rushing in eight games before he got hurt. Both those guys are back. So the offense is improved. The defense remains just as good as it's been. And so I'm sitting here looking at this from the outside, and I'm saying Pac-12 is manageable. They do have to play at Washington, which is a tough game, but they avoid Oregon. The rest of the Pac-12 South is bad. They have to play BYU in an opener, which I think will be maybe one of their toughest games. But I think if they get by BYU, they'll be okay. They play great defense. They're going to get just enough offense. Look, I'm not saying they're going to win the national championship. I'm not saying they're one of the top four teams. But projecting out a preseason uh, top four college football playoff final four, it comes down to things like schedule. It comes down to things like who you're playing, all that stuff. If Utah is a 12-1 Pac-12 champion, they're going to be in the conversation. And I think Utah, yes, the Utah Utes, two Utes make the college football playoff. So again, I've given you my college football week one picks. And again, you can always, of course, follow me on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. I will be posting them again later this week. And my college football playoff, don't laugh, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Utah, Alabama over Oklahoma for the national championship. Oh, man, guys, for for me talking from the past, that was great. Future AT is so impressed with past AT for what he just did on this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. So that is all for this segment of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. As I always tell you, uh, again, to reiterate, I know I've only done one episode the last two weeks, but I promise you, once I get back from vacation after the Labor Day weekend, we will be back to two episodes a week, every week going forward, okay? So that's my promise to you. We're going to get back to a normal schedule. For people who are new to the show, usually the Monday show is recapping kind of what happened in the college football weekend. The the Wednesday show, Thursday show is previewing the next weekend. And of course, we're going to have guests. Of course, we're going to talk basketball. And of course, once we get into basketball, we're going to transition to basketball full time. So please be patient. But again, we're back to two episodes next week. But that is all for today's show. I am exhausted. I have to go pack for my vacation. So please make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on iTunes. You can do it on Podcast Addict. You can do it on Podbean, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Please make sure to rate and review the show. Five stars are welcomed. Five stars are encouraged. Please give us quick five stars. Not too much to ask, right? Also, follow Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. If you found my personal page, which a lot of you have, I appreciate the follow there, but most of my work-related stuff goes to Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. Find me there. Uh, If you have any questions for me, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. That is all for my segment of today's show. I hope you enjoyed week zero, and I really hope you enjoy week one this week. That is all. Shout out to our boy, Torrent Craig. And now, very excited to welcome on Hall of Fame coach, Virginia Tech University, Frank Beamer. All right, and joining me on the phone now here on behalf of the College Football Hall of Fame where you can get in free for the entire month of August if you just swipe your Chick-fil-A app, Hall of Famer himself, 
head coach, Virginia Tech. Frank Beamer's on the phone. Coach Beamer, how are you doing today? I'm really good. Doing very well. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you coming on. And, and as I mentioned, you're here kind of on behalf of the Hall of Fame, and, and they have a lot of great initiatives leading up to this season, which is, of course, the 150th anniversary of college football. Uh, and as I said earlier, if you swipe your Chick-fil-A app, you can get in for the entire month of August for free. I want to ask you really quick, you yourself were a 2018 inductee. This year, the ceremonies are coming up here in the next few months. Vince Young, Darren McFadden, among many guys that are going in. Uh, what did it mean to you at this time last year uh, because you were a Hall of Fame inductee and, of course, uh, it's a kind of a, a, a capstone to your career and, of course, so many of us remember you from your days at Virginia Tech. What did that mean to you? Well, it's just uh, unbelievable. You know, you grow up in a small town in Virginia and uh, you uh, never think you'd go to uh, a big school like Virginia Tech and that came around, and then you were able to uh, play there and then come back there and coach for 29 years. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, my life has uh, been so fortunate in to have the highest honor you can have go into the, uh, be inducted into the Hall, uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, that just kind of was icing on the cake, really. And uh, I just, uh, I know how fortunate I am and how honored I am to be, a member of that select group. Very good. I would say this, Coach, you know, so many of us remember a lot of your time at Virginia Tech, but specifically, I think most notably that 1999 season, magical season, Michael Vick bursts on the scene. What are, you, what are your memories of that season specifically? I feel like Virginia Tech was already on the map. You had played in major bowl games, but I feel, I, I feel like, and maybe you feel different having lived it, that that, that uh, year brought a whole different kind of experience for you and kind of notoriety. Yeah, without question. I think in 95 when we played in the Sugar Bowl uh, against uh, Texas, that kind of changed the way people thought about Virginia Tech around. Uh, you know, playing a major bowl against a major team and winning. But then in 99, when we uh, were able to play for the national championship, uh, that was uh, certainly took us to another level. And, uh, you know, we had the players, uh, Corey Moore and Michael Vick and John Engelberger. I mean, we just had a lot of really good players. And, and, of course, I think uh, you got to have a quarterback to get to the national ch championship game, and uh, we certainly had him. So, real quick, and, and this is insane to me, but a lot of our younger listeners, people that listen to this show, they're in college now, 19, 20, 21 years old. They, a lot of them maybe weren't even born during that season, but certainly were too young to remember. Tell everybody that maybe didn't see Michael Vick in his prime, that's maybe only seen a couple highlights on YouTube, just how electric this guy was. Because I think even 20 years later, maybe Lamar Jackson's the closest thing we've seen since. But I don't think we've seen anything replicable to what Michael Vick brought to you guys that season and the following one. No, he, uh, he had it all. You know, uh, he was a guy that uh, had very quick feet, uh, he could, uh, his arm, uh, he could throw the touch pass. He could throw the screen. He could throw the little delay over the middle. He could throw the takeoff on the, uh, he could hit you in, uh, in the middle of the field if you're playing deep pass. I mean, he could make every throw. And he it got out of his hands so quickly. 
Uh, you know, his release was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, he just had it all. I mean, he could keep the play alive with his athletic ability, and uh, yet he, uh, he, if everything was covered, you know, there was times we'd stand over on the sideline and hope all our receivers were covered. Because <laughs> if we did, I mean, they, uh, they had some people off uh, trying to cover our receivers, and that left an opening for Michael to run it. Sure. And uh, that was a weapon for us, uh, Michael being able to uh, advance the football. So you know he was he was one of a kind. I I don't think uh, I, so many times after that I go into a high school and coaches say, "Yeah, I got the next Michael Vick yeah. for you." And uh, I don't think I ever saw another one. <laughs> they they thought they had the next Michael Vick, but uh, Mike was one of a kind. Uh, there. I don't think there. I don't know that there'll ever be another Michael Vick exactly like that. No, and I totally agree. And you know, I'm a, a little bit of a historian of college football. Been watching it for a long time, and I haven't seen anything like him yet. Now, I know you you actually redshirted him his freshman year. Did you know even during that season, maybe even during his high school career, that he had the chance to be as great as he did? I mean, when was there a moment where you said? This guy is just cut from a different cloth, whether it was during that red shirt year, whether it was during his first year on the field, high school. Did you have a, a light bulb moment where you just said, this dude is different? Oh, absolutely. I'd watched him out there in practice. And, of course, he was running our scout team against the defense, and none of our guys, none of our defensive guys could tackle him either. And so we get ready to play Boston College. It's going to be a, a Thursday night game, national TV. And our first quarterback had gone down, and now we're getting ready to play. Uh, and our second quarterback got hurt. And now we're getting ready to play uh, our free safety, Nicky uh, Sorensen. Okay. He had been a, a quarterback in high school. And I remember being in the staff meeting and saying, I think we've got to take that red shirt off of Michael Vick. And, and uh, Jim Kavanaugh, who recruit, recruited Mike, said, no, we can't do that. We gave uh, uh, Tommy... Uh, our word, his high school coach, uh, Tom, uh, we gave him our word that, uh, you know, that we would redshirt uh, Michael. So I said, oh, yeah, that's right. So we kept our word that, uh, to uh, Tommy, but, uh, you know, uh, certainly uh, we could have used Michael on national TV on that Thursday night for sure. So it all worked out in the end, though. It all worked out in the end. Uh, just in general, from your time at Virginia Tech, one thing I kind of noticed while I was researching you, 23 straight bowl games dating from the early 1990s straight up until uh, right up until you retired. What was it about what you guys did, your consistency, that allowed you guys to be so consistent and every single year, at the very least, be be good? And, of course, there were many years where you were great. But what was it that allowed you guys to keep that consistency where you never dipped too far? Yeah, that's probably the thing we're most proud of is, uh, you know, our consistency. We weren't a up-and-down coaching staff. We weren't a high one day and low the next. We tried to stay in the middle and even kill and uh and I think that's the way you get consistency. Uh do it the same way every day and and uh I think as coaches you had to uh demonstrate that and, and lead your players and uh I think we had that at Virginia Tech. We uh you know uh you tune us in uh you'd see about the same team week in and week out. 
I think we always played hard. We we might not have always played great, but we always played hard, and uh, and uh, we we took great pride in being consistent how we approached things. How about Beamer Ball? I mean, that was such a mm-hmm. kind of narrative. Did you was that something like was it just a, a media narrative? I mean, you guys were obviously incredible on special teams year in and year out, but did it? I don't know. I don't know. Did did, did you, is that something you embraced? Is that something you talked about? Is it something that we in the media took too far? What do you think of it? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, it kind of came around. Whoever was on the field could score. You know, I yeah. mean, offensively, you know, that was expected. But then defensively, we intercepted a lot of balls, got some fumbles, took it to the house, and then we got blocking kicks and punt returns. So whatever team. Uh, was on the field, whether it be offense, defense, or special teams, that we had an opportunity, uh, we had a chance at least of scoring. So uh, that's how Beamer Ball came around. Very good. Wrap up with a couple quick questions here. Frank Beamer, he is here on behalf of the College Football Hall of Fame. We're in the entire month of August. If you show up, swipe your Chick-fil-A app, you get access to their free interactive. uh, It's a free, everything is free in the highly interactive state-of-the-art fan experience. So go check that out if you live in the Atlanta area. You spent the the last part of your career, the last chunk of your career in the ACC. One thing I wanted to talk to you about, the rise of Clemson. Um, I I think you coached against Dabo Sweeney a few times head-to-head. What do you make of him and the program that he has built at Clemson? Because as we head into this 2019 season, it does feel like Clemson and Alabama are once again a cut above everybody else. I think Dabo has done a fantastic job. I think, uh, you know, Clemson is a place that uh, they take their football very seriously there. Uh, their stadium, the size of it, their fans, how enthusiastic they are. Uh, that team coming down the hill, uh, they've got a tradition going. I mean, uh, they just, uh, I think they've done a great job. Uh, and, and with, you know, you got to have a good fan base. And, uh, They've got that fan base, so they'll fill that stadium up and uh, and be loud. And so uh, I think uh, certainly Dabo's the right guy to to lead them, uh, but uh, they've kind of they've got it really rolling. To be honest with you. And that's what I was going to say. What what do you think? Just as an outsider, as an observer, I know you're still a big fan of college football. You're obviously part of the college football playoff selection committee. Um, as an observer, what do you think has flipped in the last three, four, five years that has allowed them to ascend from one of the two or three great teams in the ACC to, frankly, one of the one or two great teams in all of college football? Yeah, you know, as far as being on the committee, I, we're not really uh, – we don't talk about the teams very much. But I think just in general, uh, uh, you know, Clemson has been a, a – uh, team that's separated. I think recruiting all starts there, and they've been able to get right in there and get uh, the top uh, players in the country. And that starts with uh, a good quarterback, which they got. And and so uh, you know they just uh, have recruited well, and and I think uh, the number of uh, players that went in the draft last year, the linemen on on defense. Uh, you know, I mean, they just uh, have been very good all the way around. You, they got good players, they coach them up, and in the end they uh, win most of the time on Saturday. I, I would ask you as we wrap up here, Frank Beamer again, uh, he's here on behalf of the College Football Hall of Fame. 
Get in free when you swipe your Chick-fil-A app to their highly interactive games and all the things that they have there. So you, I mentioned you're on the college football playoff committee. I won't ask you to take us behind the scenes. I know there's a lot of things you can't talk about. I would just say in general, you know, we're now in year five of this college football uh, playoff era. There's a lot of good that's come for the sport in terms of exposure and excitement in the playoff. There's obviously some downside too with um, people feel, I don't know if you necessarily agree, but people feel that some of the other bowl games have been devalued. The the players aren't playing in some of the, the other bowl games. Where do you stand? Have you enjoyed the college football playoff? Do you worry about guys sitting out bowl games? Where do you kind of stand on all that? Well, I, I think generally uh, football's uh, as good as it's ever been, college football. And I think uh, the ratings say that. I think uh, the ones I've seen uh, has it rated the highest of any uh, uh, sport uh, going. So, uh, you know, I mean, there's always going to be issues, but uh, I think the uh, – how much you turn on the radio today and hear people talking about college football and all the different shows that are going in that direction. Uh, you know, I just I feel like it's uh, as good as it's ever been. So uh, I'm looking forward to the season kicking off and getting there and watch some college football uh, this coming year. Coach Frank Beamer, Hall of Famer, head coach, of course, at Virginia Tech and Murray State before that. Coach, I genuinely appreciate the time. Thank you so much, and have a good day. Anytime. I appreciate it. See you. Take care, Coach. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.